Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Radio Row here for the Bud Light Big Game Week 5 live shows from Vegas. Joining us right now, very special guest in the Hadid Mercer rug cleaning hot seats, Ryan Keel. What's going on, bud? Hey, man, what's going on? It's great to be on. Absolutely. So you played college ball at UVA. Uh, d- just talk to us about your, your time there. Yeah, I played at UVA many moons ago, <laughs> um, but uh, it was great. Now, we had, you know, when I was there with George Welsh back in the early 90s, Yep. and we had a lot of great players, um, a lot of great, you know, the teams were really good, uh, great school to be a part of, great program to be a part of, and we won a lot of games, so it was great. At the time, we saw Scott Stadium, you know, full. Uh, I wish we would get full again soon here, and Tony's going to do a good job, hopefully, of uh, – of getting the program going again. I know Carl, I'm pretty involved. I'm pretty involved. I'm somewhat involved with the athletic department. You know, just know a lot of people still there and help out where I can. And, um, yeah, I'm hopeful that Carl and the team and, and Tony and his group will get the football program back. It's a tough, tough environment right now in college sports. Yeah. Uh, for a school like Virginia. But, you know, if there's a will, there's a way. So, um, I've always been a believer that. And one of the reasons I chose to go to Virginia is that I always felt that there was a. There's no reason that you can't be good at, at everything, yeah. right? You can be a great academic school. You can be great at sports. You can have great fan bases. Like, let's not limit ourselves. So that's how the kind of vision, um, you know, hope, I think still there, and I'm, I'm hopeful for the future for them. Yeah, and we have uh, Who's Talking here on 910 The Fan from 5 to 6 p.m. with uh, Frank Maloney, Jim Hobgood. And uh, anytime I talk to them, all they do is talk about the George Welsh era <laughs> and trying to get back to that. Yeah, I mean, George, I mean, George was an interesting guy, right? Pretty quirky guy. Um, but, I mean, they had a great assistant staff that was there a long time, had great relationships in the state. From a recruiting perspective, they could go over to the Highwater area, they could go down to southwest Virginia, pull the great in-state talent. And then the shoulder states, I'm from Maryland, Maryland, PA, North Carolina, New Jersey, you got a lot of players from that too. And so, you know, the relationships were strong. So, I mean, it's it, you know, one of the things I think Bronco struggled with a little bit is that in-state recruiting piece, and I think Tony is – I think get, trying to get back to that and really become the school of the, of the state again. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly want UVA to have a ton of success, but I do feel like this is a critical year for Tony Elliott here. He's yeah. got to take steps forward. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. I, mean, you could, I mean, listen, VPI is moving forward, right? They've done a good job. They've rebounded. And, and they both hired the coaches at the exact same time. Correct. Yeah. Right, so we got to catch up. we got to stay – I shouldn't say catch up. we got to keep pace. And um, yeah, that's, that's upon Tony and his staff. It is a critical year, but – you know, this day and again, things can change fast with transfer portals and other things. You can rejigger, you can get going again and, and get the team up and running. So that's the goal. Former NFL player Ryan Keel with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hot Seat. So explain to our, our audience here, after UVA, your kind of career path in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, so after 12 years, I played for four teams there. And then um, I spent 10 years at Under Armour doing sports. Always got involved with the sports business. And really, I, I never wanted to get into coaching or anything. That was always about you know, getting involved with the other things around business. I was fortunate enough when I played to be a player rep for the union for seven years, and I was part of two CBAs, and that's really where I learned sort of how the sausage is made with sports. Mm-hmm. Got out of the economics of the locker room, right? And that's what really spurred my interest. I got my MBA while I was playing, playing so I was okay. always sort of business-oriented. And So I was at UA for 10 years and had a tremendous growth path there from you know, roughly $750 million to $5.4 billion, something mm-hmm. like that, really fast-moving jet. Uh, we were running fast and hard, and it was great. And we had a great group and a great team. Uh, since I left uh, five years ago almost, 
Um, I've been working with brands, staying involved with sports, doing a lot of sports technology, health and wellness, trying to do, do some things that I was, you know, I love the saying, like, you try to do good and you try to do well, mm-hmm. right? And if you can do some good and do well at the same time, uh, you're probably on the right path. And so we try to really lean into those kind of brands um, and to help them grow and, and get out there, and uh, whether it's the front end or back end or whatever it may be in their business, we try to help them all. And it's been fun to be a part of. And we know the NFL such a dangerous sport. And so you've got this Accu collar. Well, it's Q collar. Q collar. Okay. Yeah, Q collar. Yeah. So the Q collars, uh, it's been fascinating. I've been involved with them for almost four years now, and um, it's the only FDA cleared medical device that helps prevent the impact of subconcussive hits. So why is that important? That's sort of a lot of terms, and my lawyer makes sure I say it correctly. You know, is this idea of how can we, you know, this whole idea of, like, brain health and where we are with that. Mm -hmm. It's it's really, the lingo is changing. It's now called repetitive head impacts, RHI. Okay. And underneath RHI is an umbrella. You've got subconcussive hits. Those are the little hits you don't even feel, right? They're just happening every day. And then you've got the big concussive hits at the other end of the spectrum. Well, it's really the buildup of that entire spectrum that it can affect an athlete. And so what the collar does is really affect those subconcussive hits. And if you can take those away or reduce those, nothing, nothing's 100%, then all of a sudden the, you're the athlete or the soldier that's getting concussive blasts or concussive hits, yeah. there's less likely of a chance to affect. And if you are affected, the the damage or the effect is much less. So NFL players will wear this around their necks. So yep. Who has used it in the past? We've got about 85 guys in the last two years wear it. Um, you know, everything from King Henry to Tony Pollard to okay. Drew Tranquil's playing for the Super Bowl for the yeah. Chiefs. And so he'll be wearing yeah, it in the big game. He'll be playing in the big game. Um, and you can, can you see it? Like if the audience yep. is watching yeah, so in the if game? if you see Drew playing, uh, Drew generally wears one with either a red sleeve or a white sleeve around it, depending on what color they are, the uniform. Mm-hmm. You'll see this little collar around his neck. It's about an inch wide. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you'll see it stick out. And, and a lot of people aren't sure they see it. They're not sure what, exa- what it is or what it does. Um, and so, but that's what it is. It's the Q collar, and, and Drew's been a big advocate for ours, us, us as well. Um, Dalton Kincaid, Dalton Schultz, a couple tight ends. Like we've got a lot of guys. And the cool thing, as an ex-player, what I've seen is that we don't pay a lot of these guys, if not any of them. We pay them for going to shoot them. But we don't pay them. Like they're adopting this thing on their own because they realize that availability is the thing. Yeah. Right? And guys who want to get as an ex-player, I want every player to get to their second contract, to the third contract. Right. Make as much money as you can. And if this helps you stay healthy and safe and be available for more games, then then guys are adopting it. And it's the talk in the locker room, which is our like biggest av- – like the fact that they're advocating for our product amongst their peers has been a huge thing for us. And then conversely, you take the sports side, and we've, we've got into lacrosse and ice hockey and soccer and okay, things. Okay, okay. The cool thing for us has been, and for me in particular, has been on the military side, right? We've been heavy military. The, the, a lot of the, the SOCOMs, the SEALs, like that world, Army, they've all been starting to adopt it. And now we're, getting, we're helping out our war fighters. That's so interesting, yeah. yeah. As, as, as war has changed from you know, a lot more blowing of people up and blast waves than shoot them up, yeah. right? And so brains are getting jogged and, and getting jostled and things. If we can keep that, those, uh, those soldiers um, safer coming back and, and, and better off, it's a very cool thing. That's where I go back to, like, doing well and doing good. Ryan Keel with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hot Seat. So I, I remember you growing up from your, your time in Washington. Yeah. When JP introduced you uh, to me, I was like, I, I remember that name. So remind our audience, you were there in 1996? Yeah, 96, 97, 98. So was that the change of ownership? Yes. Well, right on the edge. Now, uh, John, Jack Kent Cook died in, I can't remember, maybe 95. Uh-huh. 
Um, and uh, John Kent Cook then owned it, you know, operated it for a couple of years. And then, because I remember when we opened up FedEx against Arizona, John Kent Cook came in the locker room. That was 97. Mm-hmm. And I, then Snyder took it over in 99. So I went from Washington to Cleveland for four years. I was in San Francisco my rookie year and Washington here for two and a half years. I got hurt my third year. And then um, Cleveland for four and New York for five. So what do you think of the change of ownership here for the Commanders from Dan Snyder now to Josh Harris? You know, I think it's great. I mean, yeah. I, I think that um, obviously, you know, Dan had his challenges, and, and, and we all know those were all well documented, you know. Yeah. But um, – Listen, the Harris Group and HBSC, like they're a professional group. You can tell they know how to operate teams. They know what they're doing. And um, I think it's great for the city. I think it's great for the team, the players, the coaches. And, you know, it's those of us that grew up here, and I grew up here in the, you know, in the 80s when they were winning Super Bowls and competitive. And then you've got this 25-year, like, lost generation. Right. Right. My entire life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. So the, if you could – if that lost generation, like, that's the challenge for the Harris Group. How do you get that lost generation – there are now Ravens fans or Giants fans or Panther fans or God knows where else. Or you know, That's the challenge. I think getting the younger fan and re-energizing that, you know, the six-year-old, uh, I think that's doable. That's, a le- that's an easier path. It's that lost generation. But that's the challenge. I think they know it, and that's fine. I don't think they back away from that. And I think the things for what I can tell just observing from the outside Sounds like I was down at the Senior Bowl. Like, I'll just tell you this. I was talking to a lot of scouts and a lot of coaches, the guys that I played with or knew from back in the day, like football guys, not yeah. like business guys. And they're super excited about what the Harris Group is doing, the hiring of the GM. Yeah. Like, they, that, this is like hardcore football guys. Like, Senior Bowl is like football nirvana for, like, the football <laughs> hardcore guy. And they are super excited for what – what they're doing already. So when you see that and hear that, then like that, you feel like you're on a pretty good, you're on a pretty good path. Yeah, you know? I mean, making Washington a destination once again. Adam Peters was a huge hire. He hires Dan Quinn. Mm-hmm. I like a defensive-minded guy. Following up with Ron Rivera, most of the time people go offense to defense. I just think Ron's defense let this team down. So try again with a defensive-minded coach. Yeah, you know, I don't, <clears throat> I, I don't disagree with you. I, I just look at it a little differently. I think. You know, for me, it was always, and I played a lot of uh, some really good coaches. I played for some really bad coaches, <laughs> right? So, like, leader of men, it's been used a lot. Yeah. And I, but I'm a big believer in that because in the reality of it in a locker room is that in an NFL, you've got 21 year old boys and you've got 35 year old men, and you got to get them all motivated and pointed in the right direction. Yeah. Right. So, offense, defense, special teams. To me, it's like, can you get that group of 53 guys that have all different pressures and interests and different parts of their life can you get them focused you know and so to me that's the biggest thing the best leader i was around was tom coughlin mm-hmm. as a coach and it was tom's second job right he had left jacksonville and i think you know i said this earlier like the idea of a coach like tom changed tom came to new york he was hard ass like he had his rules jacksonville stuff but then he started listening i remember stray went up to him and, and met with him and like all of a sudden like your three starts showing his personality a little bit mm-hmm. right and he just softened just like a notch it's not a lot but he listened he had the awareness and the in confidence to listen and go okay i can do this better i can do this differently and i think if I, from everything i've read about dan quinn it's the same kind of like the idea of learning from your previous stop the leadership's there like everybody says it and if he could just learn some of the small little things that he could just tweak 
Like, I, I think he's got a great opportunity. You yeah. Know? And, and I like the fact that he's getting a second chance, right? I mean, that's a big theme of this country, yes. right? Getting a second chance. He certainly deserves it after the past three seasons there in Dallas. And Kingsbury's going to get a second chance yeah. now as the offensive coordinator. Yeah, I know Cliff from when he was at Texas Tech and they were an Under Armour school. And uh-huh. I've been around him. And he's a super sharp guy. You know, he's very confident. I think, again, he's going to do some things, too. And they got to get the right, you know, dude throwing it. Yeah, I read um, that he would show up at Texas Tech at like 4 a.m. Oh yeah, at the facility. Oh, no, he's a fully committed yeah football guy, and and, um, and that's great. I mean, they're going to have the right, you know. I just feel like with the ownership and the, and sort of the business side, and then you get that going, and now you got the operations on the what I always call the product side of football um, with Peters and the head coach. I think what uh, Josh said in terms of two different jobs, I've never understood. Like I get what Parcells way back when, right? Like if you want me to make the dinner, you got to let me shop for the groceries. Yeah. But, but Josh is right. In this day and age, it, they're both, you know, 80-hour jobs, right? Like, have one person do it, something's going to suffer. Right. And that was the issue with Ron is that he was always wearing too many hats. That's what I'm so excited for is finally here. For, in the past 30 years, we haven't had this. We've got the correct order of operations. Owner to hire GM to hire head coach to hire offensive coordinator right. to put a team together. Put a team together. So you get that part right. You gotta, but you need the dudes, right? Yeah. You, need, you need the guys, right? And so I think that's to me is – the great hire by, but for Peters, like getting him in, um, like again, I was around some good teams that weren't as talented, you know, and I was with some talented teams that didn't have as good a year. So it's not a guarantee. You still got to bring them all together and, and, and win. But but talent helps, right? Yeah. Turning a five yard hitch into a seventy yard touchdown yeah. pass is a nice thing to do. Ryan, appreciate the time, Thanks man. Thanks so much. Have a great week out here. Absolutely. So uh, remind our audience here if they want to hear more yep. uh, about the Q collar, where do they go? Yeah, go to Q30.com. Uh, all of the research is there. All of our studies are printed there. You can look at the research. You see some videos, some testimonials. Should high school football players be wearing it? High school football, hockey players, lacrosse yeah. players. Uh, we're partners with PLL. I mean, we're doing all that stuff. We're really getting involved in the team sports side. So um, if you're in you know, soccer, is another, it's sort of our next frontier as well because that's a little-known fact. Women's girls soccer is like 0.1% below youth football in terms of concussions. Wow. Right. Now, we don't prevent them, yeah. but we certainly help mitigate risks. Yeah. No, Thanks that's so very much. interesting. Q30.com. Absolutely. You're Thanks listening so to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open throughout the show, 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. How cool was Ryan Keel. Uh, we continued our conversation off air, and he just told me about all these different connections that he has, right, guys that he worked with, you know, trainers from teams that he played with that are all reaching out to him because they know he's a DMV guy to say, you got a great guy in Dan Quinn. And that's the part of the excitement here with Dan Quinn that I just can't get over. He's got so many people in his camp, and you just don't have that many people speak up about you out of the kindness of their heart. No, He's getting so many people to talk about him positively because he's impacted their life or their career. And uh, I'm just getting more juiced up for Dan Quinn throughout this week here as Michael Phillips was is here with us. Yeah, MP buddy. on the mic from 10 uh, to 12 noon. Radio Row is back. All right. This is your <laughs> first Radio Row? Yeah. This is, I, I, this is my eighth Radio Row. This is the best one since the pandemic. It's not close. This is probably better than some pre-pandemic ones. Yeah. Radio Row, the institution, has been maligned, has been smack-talked, has been declared dead. Radio Row is 
rising from the grave. I, I kind of want to embarrass myself right now and just scream, I love you, Max Crosby, who's walked by. That That's one of my favorite dudes in the NFL. Oh, fantastic. I mean, dude, watching him play and the mic'd up segments are always so good with him. Yes. Absolutely. He's right there. We've got Rob Gronkowski over there. I mean, the celebrities are here. Uh, but we are doing a little bit of a commander's corner here on 910 The Fan. If you want to chime in, it's 833-804-0910. Matt Ryan. Sat down with reporters yesterday and spoke about Dan Quinn. Of course, the two worked together in Atlanta. Let's take a listen to former quarterback turned NFL analyst Matt Ryan. It was, you know, my first time in the NFL when Dan came in going through a coaching change. And with that, you know, comes a shakeup in your routine. And, you know, it's different people in the building. You got all, all these new people. So it was the most turnover that I had ever felt. There was also a lot of turnover on our roster. And so it was. It was me being in the same building for a long time, but it was a lot of different people uh, and learning a new culture, a new way of doing things. Um, you know, but he made you comfortable really quickly. And I think that's one of his greatest strengths is that he makes guys comfortable, uh, free to be themselves and, and free to play the way that they're capable of. And um, I'm pumped for him and Stacy. You think now's the right time for him to get a second chance? Dan, Quinn, yeah, absolutely. You know, I always... In my opinion, I always thought he would he would be another, he would be a head coach uh, again, and I thought he did a great job in Dallas. I know, you know, there, there was criticism of, of the last playoff game, but if if you look at his time and, and what they did uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, he showcased what kind of coach he is, right? And um, I'm not surprised at all that that he's got another opportunity. Michael, your reaction to that, I'd say right away. I mean, look, everything we hear about Dan Quinn is that he gets along with the players. They love to play for him, and it's all about timing. He learned from that time in Atlanta. He learned from the past three seasons in Dallas. Right now is the time. It's all about timing in this league. It, it, you know, I, I love hearing it from Matt Ryan because that's probably the most achievable level of quarterbacking you can reasonably count on, right? Like, you know, you could, you could end up with a Patrick Mahomes. That happens. You could end up with an Aaron Rodgers. That happens. Far more likely is you're trying to develop a Matt Ryan, a guy who is a rock of an organization for 10 years, 15 years, provides you with a we-can-make-the-playoffs level of confidence every year. Find your Kirk Cousins, right? That's, that's what the league is shooting for. And the fact that a guy like that, a reputation like that, uh, speaks so highly of Dan Quinn when he's known so many guys in so many styles. Very, very impressive. Absolutely. And, look, I mean, you're right. I, we're going to have to swing for the fences with the quarterback, whether it's Caleb, whether it's Shane Daniels, whether it's Drake May. I just have the utmost confidence in Dan Quinn to fix the other side of the ball. And You know, we've gone back and forth on, on this. I know you wanted the offensive-minded guy in Ben Johnson, but I truly believe to make this team competitive in this NFC East, You've got to be able to shut down a Jalen Hurts, to stop a Dak Prescott. How do you do that with a very strong defense? You know, it, 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 that's a great – I like to, to think about Micah Parsons. There was a chart making the rounds the other night. Yeah. Micah Parsons and Jamin Davis. I mean, I, 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 I loved you, that chart. I know that it got you going right there. Woo, I, I actually have it on my outline to spend 30 minutes talking about that chart. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, like – 
there is so much underutilized talent on this defense. There's so much uh, guys who are, you know, should be playing better than they were, were, were out of position, whatever it might have been, that you're hoping Dan Quinn can unlock that, and that gets you a few wins right out of the gate early. Yeah, that's a great point, playing them out of position. Like, why do you think Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera struggled that, with that so much? Like, you point to Jamin Davis. I think you also point to Benjamin St. Juice. Uh, Benjamin St. Juice is an interesting one, yeah, because there's there's the you know the, the inside outside bit. the inside outside thing. Um, I thought that about Kendall Fuller for a long time too. I just think Kendall Fuller's great in the slot. Me too. Um, That's where he won a Super Bowl. Yeah, I just I don't understand we're try why we're trying to fit the the square peg in the round hole or whatever. Like you got a great slot guy, just have a great slot guy. Yeah. You know, it's an important part of football these days. Um, I would love to see. Deron Payne become a true nose tackle under the new defense. If we're talking about guys who are out of position and uh, need to be in new positions, I think he could be a really good nose tackle. Um, I, talk, I, I talk, just, give me a little more details about that. Do you expect them to, to play a 3-4 then? I don't know. I, I don't know what style of play they'll do. I, I know that Dan Quinn can coach either. Yeah. Um, that's one of the selling points here, right? He's not a guy who you hire him if you want fill in the blank, his defense, you know. He can coach anything, and, and I think he'll – he's got a lot of roster evaluating to do. He's got a lot of film to watch. I loved when I read one article about Dan Quinn, how he disguises cover two as cover three. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's just some really – intricate defensive strategy that I fully don't understand, but when somebody else explains it to me, I'm like, yeah, I'm locked in on Dan Quinn now. <laughs> the, the defensive element will take care of itself for sure. Um, I'm very curious, you know, to see who he keeps and, and who he lets go. And you can only go up from here. The team was 32nd in the NFL. Really? There's only 32 teams. <laughs> my, arm, my arms still uh, know that. Uh, yeah. I still, uh, <laughs> still feel that. Can we address um, what I feel is a burgeoning issue on Radio Row? Yeah. Um, the stealing of our snacks by the B. Mitch and Finley program out of uh, WJFK in Washington. Absolutely. Uh, I had dude food listed for 145. <laughs> we can do it right now. Uh, B. Mitch came over here yesterday, stole our Doritos. You can take our chips. You can't take my Doritos. I'm staying in the giant Dorito. You are the I giant. love Doritos. You're the giant Dorito. I am the giant Dorito. <laughs> I lick my fingers more than any Dorito eater ever. All right? I love that gold dust. Uh, they, uh, they, Everybody on Radio Row got a little bag of, uh, of snacks. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if these are all... You know, PepsiCo products. They're a little too confident we're walking over here and just stealing our chips. Yeah. Mitch laughed as he stole the Cheetos. Like, yeah. laughed or, like, just so you know. I mean, ha, ha, ha. Cheetos. I'm sacking your quarterback. JP right? looked at me for the nod. I yeah. gave him the nod. Oh, you did give him I the nod. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he held it up, kind of kind of gave me the yeah. hug. Like, but I will say, this came with, I think, eight bags of chips. We are now down to just two cookies. So nobody, where did the chips go? Nobody's going to eat those cookies. Yeah, I know. Those right? are going unstolen. No. Nobody, yeah. nobody needs those. Uh, very, very strong food day here, though. Uh, the breakfasts have not been good, but it's a it's a fuller selection this morning. Absolutely, uh, which which we need when you know when we're here we're here at seven a.m. Uh, you know you took you you got yourself ready to go, got your suit on this morning. I know you didn't just roll out of bed looking like that. No, what do you think of the suit? Is it a good look? Was Wednesday the right day to come out with the suit? You know what's funny? If you would ask me last night, said MP, when should I wear my suit on Radio Row? I would have told you. Don't wear your suit Wednesday. Wednesday doesn't have enough juice. This gets back to my earlier comment. We are loaded with juice today. There's Radio juice Row is back. Everywhere. Radio, Radio Row, is, Row back. is so back. Yeah, and you know what? The Luxor is back too. We saw that going viral on Twitter. A lot of people on social media were taking shots at the NFL for putting the media up in the, at the Luxor. 
I'm loving the Luxor. There you go. The, the Luxor life, baby. It's yeah. for you. And, and the fact that I can just walk through the mall to the Mandalay Bay to meet up with MP, we're having a blast here. We need Vegas in the Super Bowl rotation. That that much is uh, very obvious here. We were talking about that. Um, obviously, L.A. will be in the rotation. There's no point in fighting it um, just because the NFL Network's there, SoFi Stadium, all that. Uh, New Orleans is, of course, a rotation city. Radio Row's going to be great there next year. Yeah. Um, Miami. Stubb has already put in his name. He wants to come next year. He is claiming that he will help book us guests. We need an on-site producer. Yeah. I, I think we see that. Like, I, I've got my business intent. I know I was off for a little while talking to, um, you know, my people and, and lining up commander stuff. You didn't have anybody manning man in the home front here. I think Stubb would have been a fantastic addition. To, the, to this what show. I told Stubb was he won't be starstruck. Right, I'll say, hey, go talk to Dan Marino. He's like, who's this old guy? Yeah, you know, he just he won't know these guys, I, and so that's great. That's a good selling point. I, he's got charm too. Like, it, there are stars who are too big for this program. Like Cam Newton's over there. Cam Newton's not going to be on this radio program today. Yeah. I, I would give Stubb odds that maybe Stubb could could make it happen just with the Stubb charm. And I don't think he's going to have the issue where somebody's like, hey, he's too good looking. No, he's just an average guy. Hey now, Stubb. Stubb's just an average. <laughs> hey guy. now. <laughs> I was just making sure you were listening. <laughs> All right, Virginia Tech is at Notre Dame. Uh, that game is coming up February 10th. We'll talk with Bill Roth, the Cowan Gates Hokies update with Bill Roth, coming up next on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Anytime you hear this music, you know it's time for the Cowan Gates Hokies update with the play-by-play voice of Hokies football, Bill Roth. Bill, what's going on? Good to talk with you. How are things in uh, Las Vegas? What a great experience that must be. i got to get out there to a Super Bowl sometime. Oh, it's fantastic. I am obsessed with Radio Road today. Things are heating up. Baker Mayfield's like 20 feet away from me doing an interview. Dan Marino's making the rounds. Rob Gronkowski is here. Max Crosby. It's just so awesome. Have you done the Radio Road bit before, Bill? Not for the Super Bowl. No, I've never. To this point, I haven't had the fortune to do a Super Bowl yet. Maybe someday. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's like the uh, ACC kickoff where, where we were together there in Charlotte just on steroids. I mean, it's yeah. it's unbelievable. There's so much going on. So uh, how about this? What's what's the latest with the uh, Hokies football team? Anything you'd like to report? Well, I think it was really interesting. Probably the most noteworthy thing that has happened in the last, I don't know, a couple of days is ESPN's Bill Connolly, who's a really good analyst, uh, data analyst, he went through every team in the country, and Virginia Tech has more returning production than any team in America. To put that in perspective, you know, last year Michigan and Texas and Washington were all at the top of that, and the Hokies returned 86% of their productivity from a year ago and, and 95% of their offense. And I think that's why the Hokies are kind of this fashionable fringe top 25 team already is they they see all those numbers of everybody coming back and a honestly manageable schedule and you can say wow virginia tech should win a lot of football games in the fall but the hokies have more returning productivity than any team in the country so that was exciting to see uh not on the field but on the on the analytics site so to speak 
Yeah, I mean, it worked out pretty well for Michigan, Texas, and Washington this season. And obviously, a lot of that production on the offensive side of the ball is Chiron Drones coming back, but also the wide receivers, uh, uh, the running back. I mean, that this is what's so cool is obviously there's going to be hype and excitement for the Hokies in Blacksburg, here in Richmond, all around the DMV. I'm noticing for the first time in maybe 10 years, the national perspective on the Hokies is that this is a football team on the rise. You know, it's interesting when the ACC decided to put the Hokies, uh, Florida State and Clemson, is that right? Hokies, Florida State, and Miami, rather. Hokies, Florida State, Miami are the three teams that are going to play uh, the Pac-12 schools and, and SMU. Those they, they wanted us to go to San Francisco. They wanted Miami to go to Berkeley for that first game. And, and one of the reasons was they wanted it to make it a, real, a really special environment for Stanford for its first ACC game. And uh, the, the schedule makers were talking, we, we, this is going to be a big day for Stanford. It'll probably be a night, a big night at Stanford. And, and they wanted the Hokies to be there. And they wanted the Canes to be across town. And, and they wanted Florida State to be in Dallas. And I, and I think that shows that, you know, it's time for Tech to get back to where it was. Maybe not... 12 wins every year, 11 wins, that kind of thing. But at least playing in big games, playing in made-for-TV games. And I think this team, it's February, we've got a long way to go, but this team kind of has the DNA to play in that kind of thing. And I'm excited to be a part of it. Bill Roth with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline for the Cowan Gates Hokies Update. Uh, let's talk Lady Hokies women's basketball at NC State tomorrow. Seven games left, top of the ACC at 9-2. and two. And, and what I liked is you've started to get a, a bit more production from players outside of Amor and Elizabeth Kitley. Yeah, they did, and, and they needed that uh, to win in Chapel Hill last week in overtime. So now they're back in Raleigh. Yeah. For those that don't know, like this has been one of the great rivalries in women's hoops in our conference NC State and Virginia Tech. They played an incredible game in Blacksburg. NC State took the lead, under a second to go. Women's basketball, you can call timeout and inbound at the coach's box in the front court. They lobbed to Kitley. She banks it in at the horn, and that's how Tech won. NC State yeah. is ranked higher. They're, they're in the top five. They're a great team, amazing program. Game is sold out tonight at, at NC State, uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're going to play again. I mean, it, right now everybody's just kind of battling – uh, the, the, the women's league in the ACC is so different than the men. You know, the, the men are going to get like four, maybe five teams in the, in the NCAA tournament. The, the women are going to get nine for sure, and there's 11 teams in the mix. So, you know, I, you know, Hokies are going to go to the tournament. NC State's going to go. You know, they're, they're, you're, at this point, you're battling for seed in, 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 the, in that yeah. tournament. And, and, and so this would be a big one tonight. It's the biggest game of the year in our conference. The winner gets sole possession of first place in the ACC. I think it'll be a, a, a lot of fun uh, to watch the game in, in Raleigh. And the Hokies also announced, by the way, uh, Tech's home game with North Carolina at Castle is now sold out. And that'll wow. be the second straight home women's basketball sellout for Virginia Tech. But it, our fan base, you know, if you're not a Hokie fan, you're probably tired of hearing me talk about, like, Tech's fans are just amazing. <laughs> They're just... <laughs> They just want to buy tickets and go to games. And, yeah. and these aren't fake yeah. sellouts where, like, half the upper deck over there is empty. The, the game's sold out. And there's, you know, we're, we're two weeks away. The game's, what, February 26th. So, I mean, it, it's just exciting to see the interest in all of our sports, but 
especially women's basketball. It's a, it's a team that went to the Final Four last year and has hopes to go back this year. Yeah, I mean, the fan base fully bought in on women's basketball, and it is this unique situation where they've got two players that are recognizable, not just in you know in the area, but all across the country here with Elizabeth Kitley and Georgia Amor from the success they had last season. And usually when you have that much success and you get to the Final Four, you lose one of them or you lose both of them. Hokies were able to bring both back, convincing Liz uh, to come back for another year to team up with Georgia once again, and, and they're making the most of it. Let's move over to Hokies men's basketball at Notre Dame on Saturday. Disappointing losses uh, to Duke and Miami, especially that Miami game. I was watching at a at a Torchy's Tacos in Richmond, Bill, as the Hokies kind of fell apart there in the second half. So disappointing. Gave it away. Controlled the game for yeah. thirty minutes. Had it won. Even when Miami made a little run with you know the the under eight and the under four timeout, they were ahead. Up ten on the road with five minutes to go. You got your good free throw shooters at the line. You're missing free throws. Turnovers were just unbelievable. And they gave up 56 points in the second half. They had played so well in the first half. Uh, you know, and, and my, my, this isn't last year's Miami team that went to the NCAA tournament. I mean, we saw the Canes two days later at, at JPJ. They, they, they couldn't score. And, and, right. And, 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 and I, it befuddles my mind that the Tech had – I mean, they, they executed so well. They had that game 99% of the time you win that game, but they just didn't close, and it's a costly loss because now they're not even on the bubble. You take a look at the, 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 the for example, Joe Lenardi's bracketology. Tech's not even listed as an outside-looking in team. So, you know, they're going to have to – they're gonna they're gonna have to win all these games. They're gonna have to win in Chapel Hill. They're gonna have to win games in DC at the tournament to try to get back on the bubble. It's gonna be really hard because they're not getting uh, consistent play. They've been good at home. They did they can't win on the road. Uh, but but they're really good at home. <laughs> so I don't know. You know it's funny for the the women's game. Our our student section, the Castle Guard, for the women's game in Chapel Hill, they all went. To the game at Carmichael in, in, in North Carolina last week. It was the day after Carolina beat Duke, and, and it was like a quasi home game for the women's team and in Chapel Hill. And I'm like, maybe they got to figure a way to take the Castle Guard on the road for the men because hmm. when, you know when they have the home crowd, they seem to do well, but they really struggle as the visitor. Bill, always appreciate you taking the time to join the show, man. Thanks a lot. Enjoy Vegas. Enjoy the game. Bye bye. Yep, absolutely. That was Bill Roth. For the Cowan Gates Hokies update here on The Fan, I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, it's the Bud Light Big Game Week, broadcasting live from Radio Row here in Vegas. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, the Bud Light Big Game Week. Five live shows from Vegas. This is... Day three. Day three is themed the sphere because we're going there tonight to see you two, Michael Phillips and Grant Paulson. Joining us right now, though, from the Team 980 in Washington, D.C., it's Craig Hoffman. What's going on, Craig? 
Where was my invite on that? Uh, dude, I didn't know you wanted to go see U2. I mean, U2, that's a heck of a show, and the sphere is supposed to be incredible. Yeah. So that's uh, that'll be a good time. You guys will enjoy it. You guys, you got any plans for the rest of the week here, kind of doing things outside of Radio a Row? Lot of, a lot of floating plans. Yeah. Um, you know, we're out here. Luckily, uh, one of our, our really good friends is out here, so we're seeing her, uh, and she's got a bunch of events going. Um, so, it, you know, my wife is with me, so we're we'll, a big a whole bunch of we'll see, uh, but definitely – you know, soaking in a lot of the, the fan experience and kind of just the, the zoo that is Super Bowl week. You're an analytics guy. Can I assume that that means you're also a blackjack guy? Uh, no, I'm not a big, not a big gambler. Okay. Um, you know, I, I would say that if I was, I'd want to understand the numbers better. Yeah. Maybe because I haven't taken the time to. Maybe that's the correlation. Absolutely. You so know, let's get to better a lifetime's worth of radio salaries. But I don't have that much money to lose. <laughs> let's get to the Commanders, and of course, Dan Quinn hired, and then Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, we haven't spoken since that. I mean, there's a lot of people negative on the Kingsbury hire. I'm very positive on it. I want Caleb Williams. I think that gives us you know an inch closer to that happening. Where are you with Kingsbury? Um, I am cautiously optimistic uh, on on Kingsbury. I think there's like. There's obvious concerns, and actually, uh, not to go ahead and plug my own show instead of letting you do it for me, but we have Quinn on today. Awesome. Um, So we have Quinn at at 445 today, and one of the things I want to ask him is, when you were interviewing Cliff, did he do the same kind of reflection you did? I think a lot of people got won over by Quinn on Monday because he talked about, like, yes, I made these mistakes. I realized that I am not, I can't be the same coach I was, or I'll, I'll fail again. Right. I want to know if Cliff has done those same things. So there's a lot of stuff where, you know, they did have an 11 win season. Kyler runs for 800 yards. Like they've got really effective running and passing games, but it stalls out. And so, do you have the solutions to not stall out? Can you sustain your success and the good things you do over the course of a season? If he can do those things, I think Cliff Kingsbury is going to be a really successful OC. If not, um, then then we're going to be looking for a new OC in two years, and it's not going to be because he got hired somewhere else. Absolutely. Look, I'm glad you brought that up about Dan Quinn because that was my biggest takeaway. Like He is willing to learn from his mistakes, and it's all about timing. Now is the right time. And with Kingsbury, I've been arguing with Michael, the reason that it stalled out, the reason he wasn't able to make adjustments, head coach was too big for him. But now just focusing on the offense, I expect him to adjust. I would hope so. Uh, I mean, I, I've heard that sentiment from multiple people uh, who are like coordinators who've been head coaches, and you know that that think that can be the case. I'll also, like Cliff's a smart guy, um, and I think that like <laughs> my good friend Jane Coaston, uh, who's worked in sports and news and all kinds of things, she had a, a great, a really funny tweet as Cliff was uh, at first actually going to Vegas and then right. obviously here. And she's just like, being that good looking has to have its limits. Like this has gone too far. But I think the more that I talk to NFL people around the league and, like, you know, Logan's had some similar conversations and we've talked about it on the podcast, like, he's really well-respected for his brain. It's not just, like, a, good, a good-looking a good dude who's swabbing people in interviews and, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we got to hire this guy. He is kind of like Sean, like, nose to the grindstone, just really kind of mad scientist brain about a lot of football stuff. And that's just got to be able to evolve – uh, better and, and adjust as the season goes and hopefully like you said uh, because he doesn't have the other responsibilities he can dedicate that time in a more meaningful way to avoid those second half stalls because it's not just in Arizona his Texas Tech seasons were very similar Craig Hoffman w- with us here at the Hadid Mercer rug cleaning hot seat broadcasting live from Vegas Bud Light big game week there was a lot of complaints from the fan base this season about not running the ball enough do you expect those complaints to continue with Kingsbury um 
I mean, not as much as it was for Bienemy, I think is the, the best way to answer that question. Like, he's an air raid guy at his soul. Like, he wants to be a pass game guy. But he does some good stuff in the run game. I think he understands the value of the run game. I mean, James Conner had really good years. Um, and I also think, depending on who the quarterback is, like that, if it's Jaden, like that quarterback run game is going to be a part of what they do, um, which is interesting because I think Jaden is a better scrambler than he is like design run guy. Mm-hmm. But they, I think the most important thing is like you understand how to leverage the quarterback's running ability to help your run game. You understand that there's going to be certain, like, you know, the way a team's going to defend you if you have a running quarterback, they're going to assign certain resources which can leave you advantageous on the front side of a play or the back side of a play. And so there's ways to manipulate that through the RPO game that he's he kind of majors in and things like that that I think are going to be interesting to watch. So I think, long story short, or shorter answer to your question, like, no, it won't be as bad, Um, even though it's an air raid guy who definitely does like to chuck it a little bit. So, Craig, you know from your show, and I can tell from mine, that there's just so much excitement surrounding this team right now because finally, first time in my lifetime, we have the order of operations, right, where you hire a GM who's in lockstep with the head coach and the offense coordinator, and now this GM. I like his ability to scout and pick players out in the draft. Six picks in the top 102. I would like three offensive linemen. What do you think about that? That feels one heavy, but is not crazy. And I I think the thing we have to remember is they took two last year. Right, so like, Do I you believe in those two. To I, I think Stromberg can be a good player. I have way more questions about Daniels, and that's legitimate. Like questions, I have no idea what that guy and is. And Stromberg is that at guard or center? I think he's a center. Like I don't understand like why that, they yeah. they signed Nick Gates and then drafted a guy in the third round. It doesn't make any sense. Like he drafted him in the third round. That's a starting. That's a starting center. And if not, then you messed up the draft pick. Mm-hmm. So I would enter the season as Stromberg is my center. I would like a left tackle. Um, I would like a right tackle. Like I think the other thing too is like I'm not opposed to three new linemen necessarily. I think one should come in free agency. That's a lot of young young guys. So you know, Stromberg at center, Cosme at right guard. Go sign a right tackle, draft a left tackle, and if you want to kick Wiley even into left guard, like mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, or Daniels, you try him at guard. I know Ron saw him as a tackle, but I think most evaluators saw him as a guard. Or do you go, you know, fourth, fifth round guard and. Uh, get a guy that you think can start year one. I, th- I think there's a lot of options there. Well, you just mentioned with Ron, that was part of the issue was putting people in the wrong position. And, you know, with Dan Quinn here, I think he can unlock maybe a Jamin Davis. Maybe he can yeah. uh, unlock a Benjamin St. Juice. And you have to hope Emmanuel Forbes can turn into something. No, I agree with that. That's actually one of my questions that I have on my, my notes today to ask Dan is, like, what is the di- – like, how do you go through the process of deciding – which players were just misused and which players you need to upgrade at that position. Yeah. And I think it's a really tough tough ask. Um, you have to rely on, obviously, Peters and then also the pro scouts. You probably rely on Martin Mayhew, who I think is – Martin Mayhew must be a good scout and a bad like ultimate decision maker. It obviously hasn't worked for him as a GM twice. He also didn't have a lot of power this time around. But he's very seems to be very well respected as a scout. But I think that's the, kind of the difference of you know having information versus using information. And so maybe, you know, you rely on Martin a little bit to say, like, all right, hey, you were here. You saw these guys' practice habits. You, you understood who they are coming in. What, what is Emmanuel Forbes? Yeah. And then it's up to Dan and the coaching staff to ultimately use that guy. And I, I think Forbes is, is a big guy. You know, the turnover machines they've had at corner in Dallas, like, that would be awesome if they convert him. And I, I think Jamin's another really interesting one because he hasn't had that player 
in Dallas. He hasn't had like a big physical linebacker. They, they had all the like kind of hybrid safety guys. So does he go back more similar to what we saw in Seattle with KJ Wright and and uh, Bobby Wagner? Mm-hmm. I think that could be an interesting kind of thing to figure out. I think part of the reason that Peters ended up hiring Dan Quinn is because they don't feel like they're going to butt heads at all. Right. Quinn's going to let Peters do his thing. But I think they might butt heads on the future of Jonathan Allen because Dan Quinn mentioned the defensive tackle was the strong suit there, that and wide receiver. But from everything I'm hearing, Peters probably will want to trade Jonathan Allen to get more draft picks. I don't see. I don't know about that. I mean, John was obviously our special guest at our Team 980 versus 106.7 The Fan event the other day, and Grant asked him straight up, like, where are you at? Because he made those, those comments on the junkies that he doesn't want to go through a rebuild. And he's like, I talked to Adam. I really like where we're at. I'm in. And so if that's the case, I do think both from a leadership standpoint and from a play standpoint, he's a valuable piece. And I don't know if you're going to get – like if someone calls you and you're Adam Peters and they're like, I want John Allen. We think he's the final piece of our championship team. We'll give you our first-round pick. Done. Like I'm, I, I like John a lot, but – Sorry, that's just the timeline this team is on. That makes too much sense to, to pass up. Right. Um, especially in this draft where there's a couple positions where if you could add another top 30, 40 pick, like, that'd be enormous. So I think you have to consider it. But, like, a second, especially someone that, like championship contender, late second, I'm not that interested. Yeah. So I, I don't know that that butting of heads is going to happen. And if it does, like, Dan is Dan is in for the long term. Like he's in for the rebuild, and so I think or recalibration is as he said, Love right? It. Yep. Um, but I think we've seen how quickly things can turn in the NFL, and and they'll figure it out. And Peters won't make a move just for the sake of making one. He'll make one if he thinks it's the right one. I'm Adam Epstein. That's Craig Hoffman. Check him out on the Team 980, and always available on the go with the Odyssey app. Dan Quinn, 445. 445 today. That's going to be awesome. Man. I'm excited for it. Man. I, do you think if he was hired like a week earlier, he would have been here at Radio Row? Uh, maybe. I was told that he, they were considering him coming out here, but mm. he has to, he's focused on hiring the staff. So if he had hired the staff, maybe you'd be out here. That would have yeah. been cool. Yeah, absolutely. DQ's bald head just you know shining <laughs> off the lights out here. Backwards hats. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD on the fan.